So you've been watching my interview with Richard Grannon over the past week and a half. Well, today, as promised, I'm going to publish the entire interview unedited. So let's get started. My name is Angie Atkinson, and on this channel, I offer free daily video coaching to help you discover, understand, and overcome narcissistic abuse in toxic relationships. I like to call it toxic relationship rehab. If that sounds good to you, hit that subscribe button and we'll just get going. Welcome to the channel. Thank <laughs> you sorry. very much for having me. I'm honored. I'm honored. Thank you so much for agreeing to be here. Okay, so my first question is, we're just going to jump right in. Sure. How did you sort of get into this niche? How did you discover NPD? What's your story? Let's kind of talk on it. Okay. Um I always like to uh, to jump in without too much preamble because um, I find if I think about it for too long, I get nervous. When I was doing the seminars in America, I kept on starting them early because people would show up in the room and they'd look at me and I'd look at them and I'd go, "Ugh, let's just let's just go." Mm -hmm. um, how I got how I got into this, um, I suppose you know it was it was down to my upbringing, my experiences in in childhood uh, left me with a lasting impression that something was up you know, the way in which I'd been raised and the impressions that I'd been left with and my uh, perceptions, my worldview, didn't seem to match those of people around me. So I was looking for reasons why that might be. Um, then I got into um, progressively more nasty, more savage uh, relationships that were highly, highly toxic with people who, for quite complex reasons, you know, um, were very sick but only in the area of intimacy so they were quite high functioning normal seeming people in every sense only if you were in a relationship with them would you ever see it so i guess this would be like a kind of covert narcissism um which then ended up making me feel very isolated because i was the only one who knew what this person was really like and that mirrored feelings that i was having in childhood so i wanted to explore that in more depth um, my job at that time, I had been an, a psychologist doing contract work for the British education system, teaching kids how to learn, teaching teachers how to kid, uh, uh, teach. And then I had become a self-protection instructor teaching combative psychology uh, for people. Mm -hmm. And so I was in an area where I was already psychologically very fluent and I was actually specializing in self-protection. And yet I couldn't protect myself psychologically from these people. So I knew that there was something up and that there was some gaps in my learning and my understanding, mm -hmm. which um, I have now filled in thanks to the study of personality disorders. Yeah, that is amazing. Okay, so as far as um, your mission, what do you think that your mission, you know, if, if, if you had to describe your mission in like a few sentences, what would you say it is with your channel, with your work? I think the, the, the big mission, the long-term mission, the life goal is to give people information and skills that would reduce their suffering, all people, not just like people who've uh, self-identified as being the victim of narcissistic abuse. Humans can do things regularly that make their lives easier, and yet we don't do them, and it's not common knowledge. Right. Um, I'd like to have a lasting impact on the way people think about their kids and raising their children. My major focus, well, one of the major focuses for, for this year, 2018, is to, is to go back to teaching young people, teaching young adults and trying to 
catch them before they get into narcissistically abusive relationships and just educate them and say, hey, there is this thing. Nobody's going to tell you about it. Nobody's going to warn you. But there are people out there, you know, you've already seen in films, there are people out there who are serial killers. There are people out there who will rob you. But did you know there's people out there who will deliberately foster your love solely to con you out of things or money or time or attention um, and to let them know that that exists and then to protect them from it. Love it. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So do you believe that narcissists could be cured? And, and do you know about Dr. David Hawkins? Two different questions. Say it, talk about it however it feels comfortable to you. I'll start, I'll start with the back end of the question. No, I don't know about uh, Dr. David Hawkins and the first part of the question, if somebody has full blown narcissistic personality disorder, I'm fairly traditional in a lot of my approaches. Um, and that is one of them, which is no, my understanding of the mechanics of the disorder are such that if they have that rare diagnosis, they will as a, as an intrinsic element of narcissistic personality disorder, they kind of have to reject therapy. They have to reject help from the outside and help within their most intimate and vulnerable spaces. Yeah, absolutely. And just so you know, Dr. Hawkins claims that he has cured narcissists. I have actually spoken to two of his patients' wives who Mm. basically what I understand is they, they've simply just done some behavior modification and it it requires literally require, he requires that they work with him forever for the rest of their lives in order to. That's convenient when you're charging by the hour. Isn't it? And he does say he cures them, but I don't see that. I, I've actually done videos on the cure, opposite. Cure is a pretty is a pretty strong word to use in this context. I mean, it would be remarkable, um, not least because if we come at it from another angle, uh, in terms of psychoanalysis and, and psychotherapeutic practice, we know and we accept that childhood trauma is very very hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. So. If you had another, basically to say I can cure narcissism is to say I can cure deep, uh, um, long-term, deep-seated childhood trauma, its effects. And if that were true, he would have done something truly remarkable. And if that were true, and he had uncovered such a methodology, why would he be focusing on narcissistic predators instead of on everybody else who suffered childhood trauma? So it seems like a spurious a spurious claim that's guaranteed to to do its own marketing for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would be very suspicious of anybody claiming that. Agreed. Yeah, I think it's exactly that. I agree. Have, have you personally ever run across anyone that was cured? Uh, in terms of personality disorder? Narcissistic personality specifically, yeah. No, I mean, I've had, there's people on the internet who've claimed it, but people on the internet claim all kinds of things. You know, in the in the strength and conditioning community, I always joke, you know, everybody you speak to online can squat double their body weight. They can run 20 kilometers in under two hours. And there's, you know, it's, it's, you can be whatever you want to be from, from, from behind the screen. Um, no, I've, I've never, I've never seen it. I've, I've met personality disordered people, you know, it's what they are in the bones of who they are. Maybe if you smashed everything down with like some kind of mind control prison that they weren't allowed to escape for six years mm-hmm. and gave them a ton of psychedelics and you would really have to do something very very extreme that would match the trauma in childhood that would take them from predatory and hateful because that's their survival template into loving and compassionate which is the opposite so you're like that's why they reject it because it's death 
Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Do how do you recommend that people like with your clients and stuff? How do you recommend that they deal with a flying monkey situation? Um, I think that I mean I've had to deal with one uh, myself last year. Um, you know. When I used to teach self-protection, I would teach like basics to people and I teach like the, the core thing that everybody needs to do. And then people would say to me, well, what do you do when the guy comes at you and he wants to punch you with his left hand and his mate wants to kick you with his right foot? And you want to get down to the specifics of everything. And what I found helped the most for me was to come back to basics and go, okay, I need to monitor my own emotional and psychological state because this is going to be tough. This is going to be triggering. This is just like in childhood when. This is just like in childhood when I wasn't understood, when people were talking badly about me, when I was being bullied, when I was being scapegoated. It's extremely, extremely triggering if you're in a flying monkey situation. So you've got to do your, your white belt, yellow belt, blue belt basics first of protecting your own emotional state, keeping your perceptions clear, get help, you know, and don't go to your mates or your family and tell them stories about what's going on. Get the help of a third person an, an adult professional who can give you some real non-agended um, feedback so that your sense of reality, you can still hold on to something or someone mm -hmm. that would, that would uh, be another piece of advice. And um, you know, the third thing would be to, you know, rather than look at, Oh, they said this. So therefore I'm going to X, Y, Z look at what's going on for you in terms of your emotional literacy, your capacity mm -hmm. to process the emotions and look at the power dynamic. You know, what is what can that person do? What are they doing? And what are your options of response? If you're going to respond to it, but you're coming from a place of emotional anxiety, it's highly likely that you're going to look as crazy as the narrative they're weaving about you says that you are. And the smear campaign. Mm -hmm. Same. Yeah. 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 Okay. I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. All right. And how do you think, how can people avoid the relapse? So if they've gone no contact and they're just struggling because they're getting the Hoover or the Hoover's coming, they, they fall for it. How do they avoid it? And if they do fall for it, what do you recommend to your clients? Typically, do you suggest that they jump back on the wagon? Any tips, any ideas for in that vein? Well, we've, we've got to look at, you know, the reality of, of what is happening. And that includes the totality of the reality. So um, we're using these words that we have within, within our community, uh, relapsing, hoovering and everything else. That's one way of framing it. And then there's mm -hmm. the framing that other people would give to it, which is, you know, you got back with your abusive boyfriend, you got back with your abusive girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's nice to put everything in layman's terms, just to remind ourselves of what we're really doing so that we're not avoiding it. Yeah. You know, and then when you use that kind of language, you'd be like, why would a person do that? I've already identified that my girlfriend is abusive in this way, this way, this way, this way, and this way. I went through the rigmarole of splitting up with her. Why would I get back with her? What's going on for me that that would happen? What was going on for me when I originally got with her and what was going on for me the second time around? Now, usually what people will find if we come back to this element of power dynamics is that they're in a weak position. So you were very lonely the first time you got with that person and then you split up with them and then you kind of missed them and you were lonely. So to relieve yourself of that pain of loneliness, you just got back with them again and started the whole cycle again. When you put it in those terms, I think it's easier to see 
how um, non-melodramatic and how pedestrian the decisions we're making are. And what's the key problem here? Well, the key problem, the common denominator in the two scenarios I just described is I'm lonely. Okay, so why is that happening? What kind of a lifestyle am I living where I would feel like this horrible person is is not just my best option, but my only option. Something's up and uh, that should be addressed. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So on that same token, have you, have you experienced people who are, or have you yourself experienced um, feeling stuck in a relationship? And, and when you, uh, I see a lot of people who tell me, you know, I'm, I've got kids with this person, I have no job, or mm -hmm. I have a, I don't make enough money, or I have no access to the money. What do you say to those people when they say I, I'm stuck? What do you tell them? How would um, you? I would always say, if somebody says to me, I'm stuck, then I'll say, okay, you're stuck. What does that mean? What are you telling me? You say you're stuck. So is the person saying, I, there's nothing I can do? And I'll go, is that what you're saying to me? Are you saying there's nothing you can do? So we've got to actually look at what the person is claiming when they say something like, I'm just stuck. And you go, okay, so there's nothing that anybody could do. And there's nothing you could do to help yourself. Because of course, there's always something you mm -hmm. can do. And you've got to start where you're at. And you might be starting from scratch. You might be starting from the very bottom of the bottom or slightly less than that. You might be starting from inside a hole, but whatever it is, you like, you can either stay there. And this is the, this is where I would get into philosophy with my clients. So, well, let's look at this philosophically. If you stay there, who's what will the world care? So it's like, is the UN going to rise up and fucking come and give you a, get you out? No. Does anybody really fucking care? If you stay there, so what's going on with your family and friends where they're already not helping? Why are they not helping? Are there issues there that need resolving? And if there really is no, if there really is nobody who can help you, then you've got to start from that situation and go, wow, I'm in a to totally helpless situation here. Okay, well, beyond paying a coach to talk to you about this, what else have you got going? What else is going on? Um, really, what has happened? Uh, and it's good for coaches, it's good for you and I to realize this, is when somebody has gone into, I'm stuck, they're basically, it's a, that's not a mature adult response to the situation, but they're flashbacking into uh, like an adolescent response, like, oh, there's just nothing I can do. So you have to be like, well, you know, there should be something you can do. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, if you go, and if you don't do it, mate, the world's going to keep on spinning and the stars will still sprinkle away in the sky. So you better fucking get on with it. So my approach is that's why it's called the Spartan life coach was it's not, I'm not going to molly coddle you. Like you are in the situation you're in and God damn it, it is awful. You know, and I would say that to people and I'd say like, you should say that to yourself. Like this situation is awful. Don't, I don't want people to hyper normalize the awfulness they've been through into going, Oh, this is just the way the world works no it isn't that's a dreadful situation to be in yeah. and when you are moving forward and you eventually claw your way out of that hole and then they hoover you you'll remember how awful the hole was right and then i'll give them the eye contact that says right and they'll go yeah i'll remember so you know you, like we've got to it's very difficult because for people who are struggling with this kind of thing yeah. you don't usually have the equipment for coping with very stressful situations like the emotional maturity is not quite there so sometimes you'll be dealing with a client and you'll be dealing with them at age eight and sometimes you'll be dealing with them at age 14. Mm -hmm. so you've got to kind of like go come on kid we got to get ourselves out of this 
Yeah. Can you ever imagine someone having a successful relationship with a narcissist? Absolute bullshit. I'm sorry. Can I swear on your interview? Please do. <laughs> For yourself. Like, like it just anybody. I saw somebody just yesterday. Uh, it was on one of my pages and I didn't bother to get stuck in because I don't find that particularly useful <laughs> use of my time. Mm -hmm. Somebody was saying, yes, I think you could be happy, happy with a narcissist. Can you be happy with a narcissist? Yes, you could be. And I'm like, you know, I don't know what mental gymnastics you're doing or what kind of odd, masochistic, cowardly, spineless, life-denying philosophy you have. But it's like saying, could you be happy as a slave? Could you be happy under fascist tyranny? Yeah. You know, could you be happy living with somebody's jackboot on your face for the rest of your life? Now, if you have a particular uh, uh, and rare psychological outlook where that does make some people very, very rare, very, very small number of people uh, feel safe to be bullied and to be dominated for the rest of their lives, then, okay, I'm, who am I to tell you that, you know, you're, that's not the way that you, that you are. But for most people, no, there's no such thing. No, right. absolutely no such thing. There is only doom, depression, chaos, and despair at the end of that tunnel. Yeah. Yeah. Intermittent reinforcement keeps you hooked, right? <laughs> That's crazy. All right. So can you talk about tips for rebuilding confidence after abuse, kind of finding yourself? Like what would you kind of, what is your approach in that, in that respect? Do you have any specific yeah, my, my, well, I mean, like, I actually have a program that I'm working on right now um, that I'm going to be teaching two coaches to take clients through mm -hmm. that's very specific and very step-by-step. -step. It's like a six-step program. Mm -hmm. We go white belt, yellow belt, green belt, blue belt, we'll get you through to your black belt. Um, so there's two things that have to be done. One is the, the yin style work, which is we need to go back into trauma. We go into the past. We look at where the templates for our attachment styles, because it's probably we have an, a damaged attachment style. That needs to be resolved. We have issues around love that need to be resolved. We need to know how to process pain and how to process trauma. After a narcissistic relationship, if you think you're going to skip off into the sunset without doing your grieving, I got some bad news for you. Um, you've got to go through a, a state and it's not fast. I mean, People are like, can't you make it faster? You know NLP. I'm like, the human is what the human is. Like, you're not going to not experience grieving that goes on for six to nine months. Mm -hmm. At the least, that's just how long the human being takes when they when we have been pair bonded to separate those the, those attachments. And then there's the Yang style stuff, which is find where the weaknesses are in the system and work on them. You know, yeah. we're an interlocking series of systems. You've got to work on that. You know, what's your socialization and social intelligence like? What's your self-assertiveness like? What is your self-care up to? Can we work on those things and help you to pull out of it that way? So there's a lot. You know, it, it takes a lot. It takes a lot. And the work is, um, it's time-consuming, it's challenging, and it's hard. Mm -hmm. But if you can go through it, you'll be an infinitely stronger and much, much happier person on the other side of it. Agreed. Agreed. Okay, very good. Um, now, what about how do you know? I guess you kind of covered that a little bit, but it, are there some some basic points that you would say, okay, you know you're healed when these things happen? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, and we're ready to date. Let me throw that in. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, ready to date. Yeah. Ooh, now you you see you changed that. Two different uh, things. Okay, start with this one. Start with the healing. <laughs> Uh, the, so the, that that course has like little um, markers in it 
So once you get bored of looking at narcissistic forums and narcissism YouTube videos mm -hmm. and you're bored, like in the core of your being, like this is not interesting to me anymore. That's a pretty good indicator that you're starting to move on. Um, when you're not thinking about that person in a very, very uh, emotional, in an emotional flashback state for more than an hour a day, you should consider that progress. Um, real movement where you can actually date again. What I have found is a lot of people who have CPTSD, who've experienced um, childhood trauma and have been in narcissistic abusive relationships, if they don't get back with the original narcissistic abuser, if they don't do the work, they'll walk right out and find another one Yep. with a variation. So they'll flip, they'll go, oh, my last boyfriend, he was a covert uh, cerebral narcissist. So I got with this guy who seemed really confident and he was over and he was into sports and stuff. And then, he, you know, so we'll flip. We try different. I've done the same thing. I tried Me different too. flavors of abusiveness. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we're not dealing when you're not dealing with the core wounds, you, you, you're going to be stuck. How do you know when you're ready for another relationship? I would say watch how you are on the approach. So as you meet this person that you think you might want to get into another relationship with and as you start to get closer to them, notice what it's doing to you if you're inflamed with emotional flashbacks and, and neurotic twists of perception just by becoming closer and closer to that other person then no you're not ready yeah. for example myself i am single i've been single for a while and i would assess in my own self no i'm just not ready my own emotional literacy and self-communication is is high so i can just look internally and go yeah, no, I don't, I don't feel like that's a good, that's, that's going to be a good thing for me. Um, so what people have to be honest with is if they're neurotically seeking to get with somebody to end their isolation and to end the pain of loneliness, then they're vulnerable to another yeah. abusive relationship. And I think, and tell me what you think. I think it's okay to be single if you choose to remain single for an extended No, I think it's disgusting and it's a crime before God. <laughs> All right then. <laughs> I yeah, know. no, yeah, you, I mean, you've got to be comfy with it. Yeah, a lot of people really struggle with it. They tell me that they, they feel like, you know, I'm, I'm feeling really good about being single, but I feel guilty because I think I should be in a relationship and I'm like, that's just. Well, that's, that's, code, that's codependency taken to another level. Ding, ding, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Feeling, yeah. Feeling guilty for feeling okay. Right, exactly, that's exactly what that is, yeah. And so what do you think about um, adult children? I'm going to ask you kind of a, a two-part question and you can sure. break it down how you like yeah, yeah. adult children of narcissists and somebody specifically wanted to know I, I kind of this morning when I was doing my live stream I said you know if anybody has questions for Richard I'm gonna talk to him today <laughs> so somebody said what do you do if your dad is a narcissist and you've got no contact and your son loves to be with his grandpa uh, you know and then blah 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 so how do you, I, I personally, I, I don't really see how that's even a feasible option. I think you, you, you all go to contact or none of you go to contact, right? But do you have suggestions for adult children narcissists? And do you have any suggestions for that particular question? What do you do if your kid wants to be with the person you've gone no contact with? And I guess that um, kind of works for co-parenting too. Uh, so in the situation that was specific to that individual questioner, was it that they're like, the adult has a father who's a narcissist, but the grandson of the narcissist still wants to see them. 
yes, and they, right. they want to figure out how to avoid the contact. Uh, she says currently her her significant other has contact with her narcissistic father, so the child can be involved. But I, I mean, I think that's kind of unhealthy. Personally, I don't know. What well, do you think? All um, all contact, uh, especially for children with a highly narcissistic personality, is is toxic and damaging. Um, and should be avoided at, at all costs. I agree. Um, but, you know, I I know that situations are complex. Sometimes situations are really, really complex. And not everybody is me and not everybody is you. Um, I am prepared to go to lengths in a lot of ways that I just, I know that a lot of my clients aren't prepared to go to. Um, and so, you know, people usually, most people will want to try and find a low drama, low key way to compromise and sometimes they're embarrassed to tell you look my dad still pays half my mortgage or i don't want to be written out of the inheritance or there's usually there's you what, what you mean you work with clients like not every client is going to tell you every fucking thing you, right. you kind of have to dig around and find out so that's part of the power position like can you I'm not saying in this person's situation that this is the case, of course, but I've seen situations where the person's like, I'm really holding on to the hope that I'm going to get a hundred grand when the old fucker dies. My son still wants to hang out with him. My husband still, you know, da, da, da. that's all part of the tapestry of what you're dealing with. Something has to give. Yeah. You're either going to upset your significant other and you're going to upset your grandson and you're going to lose that money and upset your dad, or you're going to take, take the chocolate people have seen my videos they'll know what that reference is you're going to take the chocolate and compromise and be like well okay but look at what that costs you now if that person's situation is there is nothing that she wants from the uh, from the dad then what i would like to see is for her to say you are my husband to her significant other or you are my partner this man is toxic i do not want him in my life I don't want you having contact with him. I don't want my son having contact with him because he's poison. Yeah. Now can we all please team together and get on the same side and make this thing happen? That's what I would like to see. I like that. I agree. All right. And uh, two more questions and then, I, and then a lightning round and I'm going to let you get back to your life. Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Number one is how can you find out, how can you tell if you're, and you kind of talked, touched on this, but just, how can you tell if you are projecting from a previous narcissist relationship onto someone in a new relationship? So how can you know, you know, are you, is this person really messed up or are you projecting your previous wounds onto that person? I kind of experienced a little bit of that in my own life, but this actually came from one of my viewers. So. Yeah. This is like, uh, when somebody asks me a question like this, my brain immediately goes, aha, we have a green belt, blue belt question here. So this is somebody who's done significant work, who has significant understanding, mm -hmm. but they, they ain't cried or they got to cry just yet. There's still like a little reservoir of tears there that needs to come out. And the reason why I say crying is because this is what I, I understood uh, from, from Sensei Pete Walker. Uh, when I read the Tao of Fully Feeling, it really, really hammered home the point to me that our reservoirs of tears and unexpressed emotions actually really warp our perceptions mm -hmm. and when you are comfortable with grieving and we have we live in a grieving taboo culture which is scary and it's extremely damaging and it makes us very vulnerable very naive and very impressionable and very open to narcissistic abuse 
when you get cool with the grieving, it's not some terrible, awful, scary thing. You can like, you know, um, for various reasons in my life in the last 48 hours, uh, I have felt very, very sad. And uh, because somebody who was raised with me as a, as a brother has, has, has passed away. And I felt, it's, it's okay. Um, and I felt this tremendous sadness and I'm like, okay, I think that there's been most of my life as an, as a, as an adult, I would have smacked a smile on that and pushed it to one side. Whereas now I'm not pushing that visitor that's called sadness and grief away. I'm pulling him in or her in. I don't know what the spirit is male or female, I haven't decided yet, and saying, hey, what, what, what is it? What do you want to tell me? Mm-hmm. And sitting in the space and going, I'm sad, I'm sad. And the, the emotion comes up and I go, oh, what am I feeling right now? Oh, I'm sad, I'm sad, I'm heartbroken, I'm sad. And being comfortable with that and permitting that. This cures the misperception of, is this person a narcissist or am I just blah, 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 blah? Doesn't happen anymore. Doesn't that, you'll, see, you'll see crystal clear. You'll be like, no, this person doesn't have NPD. However, they are a tit, they're just being a clown. They're obsessed with attention. They're really emotionally immature and they're not good for me. Or, wow, I really would have gotten rid of this person because of the feelings I have around emotional intimacy, but actually I think they are a good person and I'm just just messing this up. Things get a lot clearer when we grieve would be the short answer to that question. Yeah, and I think a lot of times, tell me what you think. I think a lot of times when you're going through narcissistic abuse, you are taught to not allow your emotions to escape. So you start shoving them down. And I think this adds to your cognitive dissonance and all the crap. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is where our intuition comes from. And it's, you know, I don't teach anything spiritual because I don't think it's useful to the long-term goals, but I do think there's a spiritual element to this, which is when we are disconnected from our feelings, we're cutting off from parts of ourselves, and we start cutting off from our source. Mm-hmm. That's your intuition. That's the spark of genius of intelligence that's inside of you. That's part of everything. That's part of what binds life together. So you become cut off from life. You, if you look at one of the things that's interesting for people to look at is other cultures and how they process grieving other cultures and how they deal with death and with loss and how they invite in, death and loss and whether there is a god or a goddess of death and what their process is when somebody dies and when we let go and you'll see more primitive cultures are far more nuanced on this one issue much more of a nuanced experience on this on this one issue anybody i went to uh, to work in new zealand and i started doing security work for a, a company that was run by one samoan guy and one maori guy and I'd, I'd gotten very close to them very, very quickly. And within the first three months, uh, the married guy, his father passed away. And he said, would you come to the funeral? And I said, yeah, sure. Four hours into the funeral process, somebody told me this is a three-day thing. And I'm like, sorry? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, like a marry, a marry funeral. I don't know about Simone funerals, but a marry funeral is uh, you sit. One person feels the spirit. The motivation they get up they say some words and they sing a song and people sing with them and then they sit down and people just talk amongst themselves a little bit and then another person says i remember did it and it's this freewheeling sort of just uh template of of outpouring of emotion amongst your people amongst your family and i'm just like wow we really are freaks aren't we the way we go into our little stone temples 
we have a few words from the man in the dress at the front of the room with the gold hat on and then and you get like i've never been to a funeral that lasted more than 35 minutes yeah. why because people are busy so we're going to get there we're going to do this we're going to say goodbye da, 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 out the door and off we go and i'm like that's that's not human. That's not how human beings work. It takes time. It's not linear. It's a mess. It's just a mess of feeling and memories and emotions. And so the way we're trying to suppress our emotions now is making us very, very sick. And there's a, there's a global effect to that. There's a political effect to that. And we're reaching a peak. The boil will burst eventually it has to like we're, we're I, I don't need to say any more on that. We're clearly seeing the last phases of a boil about to burst we're either going to get back in touch with our emotions or we're going to die. We can't live in this, in this half light. So my advice to people would be get back in touch with your emotions. That's where all your intuition comes from. Your intuition, the inner voice, the higher self saying, stay the fuck away from that person. Don't go there. Don't eat that. Go over here instead. And life gets really, really good when you're living in congruence with your intuition. I agree. I love that. Okay. Now this question's weird, but I'm just going to ask you because, you know, coach to coach or whatever, because when I was doing the, the live stream this morning, uh, I didn't see it until just a little while ago, but I, I, I did a, just a real quick one this morning because I had a lot to do today. And somebody, and I said to them, you know, hey, throw your questions in the chat. I'll come back and look at it before my interview. Mm-hmm. And one person, my moderator deleted them out of the chat. And I was like, what did they do? So I looked and I clicked the thing and, and they said, I'm going to unsubscribe to you because Richard Grannon is an occultist. (laughs) And I was like, what is that? Why would they even say that? So what is, do you have any idea why anybody would say that? That's just, this is just from between me and you, I guess. But I, I, what is (laughs) (laughs) Occultist, um, you know, I really, really love the Princess Bride. And you keep saying that word you are using. I do not think it means what you think it means. Um, Occultist. (laughs) I know what it means, but what does it mean to you? Yeah, well, it, well it, it has a certain inference. It has yeah. a certain inference, but um, it, it doesn't really mean what people think it means. The occult right. is just that which is hidden. And anybody who's a right. psychotherapist, psychoanalyst, or a coach who's working with this, we're all occultists because sure. we, we seek to investigate that which is not seen. And we do that through symbology. So there is, you know, the fact that Carl Jung and Sigmund Freud, the granddaddies of, of psychoanalysis, were themselves obsessed with religion, spirituality, and magic and symbols is of no surprise whatsoever because that's what this process is. So, of course, I'm an occultist. That's not hidden. I'm not being a cult about the fact that I'm a cultist. Right. That is my daily bread is to walk into the darkness with people and try and pull them out. What this person actually means, though, is that um, they that my ideas and my, my, my map of reality is offensive to their probably... Um, Uh, christian views and all i would say is you don't understand your own religion like christianity in its fundamental root of the teachings of christ is absolutely a mystical religion christ absolutely was an occultist i can quote you chapter and verse how i know that he was an occultist apart from the fact that he was called the rabbi in the bible the guy you know that was his job he yeah. literally brought people back from the dead. So I suspect the person is Christian. Muslims very and Muslims and Jews very rarely throw that one at me. But mm-hmm. some Christians who it was don't, a Christian. It was a Christian, yeah. They they don't understand their own religion. They don't understand the depth of their own religion and they don't understand the implications of the teachings of their religion and they don't understand their own religion's roots, which is a real shame. So I would never fight with a person like that. I'd be like, hey, cool, can we hang out? 
and just talk about what your belief is and your faith in Jesus Christ. Do you know that the guy was an occultist? Do you want to talk about that a little bit? And, you know, yeah. but fundamentally he believed, or if he was a historical figure, not just a metaphorical figure, in peace and love and uh, brotherly and sisterly kindness. So we're on yeah. the same page, man. Right, right, I agree. I, I agree. And, be, you know, if let me just ask you, if I use that, is that okay? Or you prefer yeah. that I don't? Okay. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Most, um, most Christians and, and, you know, people in the Judeo, uh, um, Abrahamic in the Abrahamic religions, mm -hmm. they're the ones who could find what I have to say most offensive. And to be honest with you, those who do, they usually just go, ugh, no, thank you. But I have tons of uh, followers, uh, particularly Muslims and Christians who are happy to go there with me and go, Hey, yeah, tell me something that maybe I don't, maybe I have misunderstood or I don't know um, that you have seen or that you have studied because I can further people's love. I don't want to take their religion away from them. Of course. I'm not trying to do that. I'll yeah. be like, I'll further your love of your own religion. I can guide you within the context of your religion if that's what you want. Um, and, and sometimes that is, and that, that, that makes people happy. And, you know, I'm happy, I'm happy to do that. When it becomes dry and stiff and dogmatic, these are the people who can get a bit uptight and like, oh, no, 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 no. And then they, oh, yeah. they, they want to run away. And I think that's exactly, you know, what this person is. Because, <laughs> I mean, I, I talk about the law of attraction all the time, which may or may not be. I don't know if that's a thing you talk about or believe in, but mm -hmm. I talk about it all the time. And I know a lot of people think that's a cultish. <laughs> so I don't know. But any I thoughts think, on that? Uh, yeah, I, I just that, like, you can't. I don't know how people can live on this planet, you know, and, and not see that, you know, clearly thought, word, deed manifests as reality. Um, right. Like that we communicate right now, like what we're doing is magic. This is the magic of intent. Mm -hmm. My image and my intent to communicate with you is communicating with your image. You're not really here. Right. Is this a fucking seance? Maybe it is, but it's we because it's pedestrian because we do it on a laptop and we do it through Skype or, or Zoom. We're like, ooh, you know, does it? It we we lose magic. But you know, I was flying around America, yeah. flying around America. They would have burnt me when the first Americans arrived there if I said yeah. I was flying around. I was That's actually right. just thinking last night. I played um, when I was a kid. One, of, I used to want to be an actor. And I played uh, John Proctor in The Crucible, um, which is that story of the Salem witch hunts. And I'm like, how far? Which is a, probably a moderately accurate you know, reflection of what was going on in America from the first settlers to now. How far that country has come in such a short period of time. Quite far, yeah damn right you would be burning people left and right if they said oh yeah i communicate with my mother on the other i have a special magic box hello mother they'd be like uh -huh. burn him right? <laughs> he's, a right. witch. he's a witch burn him you know so you know magic is is clearly here it's clearly it's clearly here and and it's something that we can either use or we can ignore and i hope that that person um you know opens up and and you know through thinking about it and processing what i'm saying rather than just rejecting it i do not want to take you away from your religion right. what i would always try and do is give you an, a more of a, an open dimension view of your relationship with your religion yeah. but yeah you know i'm not they they're, what they want is they want to say that i'm a they, that i'm illuminati and you know i wind people up i have a silly nature so i do i do imply that sometimes and i drop little things in that maybe make people go oh it's in some secret society. I'm not. I'm just a bloke in a hoodie in right. Liverpool freezing his ass off about to go to the gym. That's it. It doesn't get any more exciting than that.
<laughs> right on, I'm with you on that. <laughs> All right. Um, we're going to do our lightning round. It's just 10 silly questions that are irrelevant to anything. Yeah, cool. And then I'm going to ask you to talk about what, just so you can start thinking about it, mm -hmm. what you're working on now, what you're working on next. Okay. Okay. Ready? Okay. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? Oh, I love ice cream so much. Don't make me choose just one. I love to mix it up. Uh, uh, Oreo cookies. Oh, good one. Okay. Well, I'll say a word in Spanish. Um, uh, I could say a phrase in Spanish. Cuando digo que no, es que no. Nice. What does it mean? It means when I tell you no, it means no. <laughs> nice. Okay. Do you believe in fate? Uh, I don't know what that word means. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll leave it at that. Uh, favorite number? Seven. Oh, me too. Cool. All right. Uh, who has it, it easier? It is the most favorite number of all numbers. It's the best say. number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> who has it easier, men or women? Uh, it is, no. I mean, it's humans. It's tough. It's yeah. damn hard. It's damn right? hard. I agree. Yeah. Have you ever worn socks with sandals? Hell no. <laughs> I'd rather cut off my own feet. Nice. <laughs> right on. <laughs> Name a primate besides monkeys or apes. Um, I, is it, is a chimp separate to a monkey and an ape? Mm. I think so. Also humans, we're, we're primates. Mm. I think that's true. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Why can't we tickle ourselves? Uh, that is a good, um, that's, that's gonna, that would, I'd get a good fucking hour of staring out at the, at the mountains on that one. Why can't we tickle <laughs> ourselves? I really don't know. I really don't know. And then it would be, what's laughter? What's the evolutionary purpose of laughter? Ooh. I want to know that too, actually. There's no yeah. evolutionary purpose. God makes us laugh to remind us that the angels think we're funny when we fart. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. Um, <laughs> what does the person need to be happy? They need, um, they need a purpose and a mission and they need to contribute and to to feel like they're helping and then to forget about ever being happy. Just Absolutely. happiness, just let it, just never think about it. Nice. You do your work. Absolutely. Is there such a thing as objective beauty to you? Um, in nature, yeah, I would be, I, there are things that I've seen in nature where if somebody said that's ugly, I'd be like, there's something clearly wrong with you. <laughs> Or your, or your perceptual filters just don't work. <laughs> right. <laughs> I like that one. Um, okay. What do you think is the best age in general? For a human to be? Mm -hmm. uh, I, well, maybe like I used to be into Taoism a lot when I was a kid. And in the, uh, the, the Tao, Tao Te Ching, they would say that your power as a human is probably going to peak around the age of 45 um, because you're still young enough to be fit and strong, but you've actually really developed a little bit of wisdom by then. So meh, I don't have a better answer than that. <laughs> That's a good answer. That's a yeah. good answer. All right. Um, how many kids would you like to have? Um, as many as fate decrees I'm supposed to, as it is written by God, maktub, there's an Arabic word for you. Yeah, I think uh, probably I 
I don't know. Whatever, whatever, uh, whatever is meant to be will be. Whatever is meant to be. That's reasonable. I have yeah. many children. Look at the Spartan Life Coach channel. I have seventy thousand of them. That's right. <laughs> That's. I'm with you. I'm with you. We call. I call my people the Spanily because <laughs> because of my support group. Anyway, I'm with you. Okay, but I don't have seventy thousand. I have thirty thirty thousand and something. And that more are coming. That's right. I'm on my way, baby. Uh, <laughs> all right. Last question. Do you believe, oh, this is, I can't even ask you this question. This on, is a stupid question. Do you believe in love at first sight? <laughs> uh, I think that you can probably, I, I, there was there was a book um, a few years ago. And it was kind of a silly book, but it had some good ideas in it. I think I read it when I was like 22 on holiday. Great book to read on holiday. It's called The Celestine Prophecy. Do you ever read that one? I don't think so. So it's like, a, it's an adventure story, but they learn spiritual things along the way. It's, it's fun. Um, and one of the things it said in there was, sometimes when two people see each other, there's like a moment you get where you're probably supposed to communicate mm. um, and you don't because it's not convenient or it's weird or something where you should probably actually, like you kind of look at each other and there's almost in the book, it says like a soul recognition and you might have a message for each other, so you should. There's definitely that kind of a thing Mm -hmm. And I've had it a few times where I'm like, I'm probably supposed to talk to that person, but I also really need to go somewhere and it's weird to talk to strangers, so I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Um, so the, there's, there's definitely that love, as in romantic love at first sight. There's certainly lost at first sight. Good sure. Lord. <laughs> but uh, lasting, lasting love that goes beyond the pair bonding biochemical cocktail stage at first sight. Yeah, I'm a Piscean. I believe that. Sure. Me too. That's cool. <laughs> When's your birthday? I'm 19th. Oh, the 7th. Uh, uh huh. Seven. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> moving right along. All right. Um, I did want to. Okay, I have to go one more on the lightning round. If you could sure. ask God one question, what would it be? Um, if I could ask God one question. I would say, God, can I ask you some more questions, please? <laughs> <laughs> me too. I like that one. All right. <laughs> okay. Talk to me about what you're doing right now, what you're working on. I know you just did a big tour. I know you just released um, a, a documentary or a, a short documentary. Talk about whatever you're, whatever you want. What are you working on? What are you doing? Uh, there was the, there was the narcissism documentary. Um, yeah, that was a thing. The tour in America. Mm -hmm. um, was a thing but at the moment what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to reach more people and, yeah. and in a way that is not exhausting to me mm -hmm. um, and that actually does some good um, and that you know is still has an element of interaction one thing I'm working on that might be of interest to people is an app that should be out hopefully this week mm -hmm. where I've uh, you know the idea was like Spartan Life Coach in your pocket so because people use their smartphone so much where they would they could get on the app and every day for this year, for 2018, um, there'll be like audio files giving them ideas for exercises, things to focus on for the day. So it'd be like for people recovering from narcissistic abuse and CPTSD, mm -hmm. any day that you're out and about, there's always going to be like a 15, 20 minute audio file there, some instructions, something to do, or me answering a question relevant to what's going on. So there's that. I'm going to, there's a project I've got strengthofmind.coach, which is really going to be, uh, tackling the kinds of political and cultural issues that we're facing at the moment whilst training people to be successful, to be tough, to get through the challenging times that we're living in. Um, and then the third major thing will be I'm going to actually open a YouTube channel probably this week that's going to be for, for young adults and teens that teaches them this stuff but is directed more 
for their sort of uh, mindset, for their level to meet them where they're at. That's great. That's really good. I'll tell you what, I have a kid who's a seriously intuitive. He's 14. If you ever want to interview him, he'll do it. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> I, I'm serious. He's, he's really, and he's kind of educated on this because I'm his mother. Uh-huh. So <laughs> just put it out there, but he's not a YouTuber or anything. He's just a regular kid. So uh, anyway, uh, but he's very, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's empathic. You know, he's. I like the, I like the fact you said he's not a YouTuber. Thank goodness. Right? I know. <laughs> I know. Because people got to be themselves, you know. So anyway, I really have enjoyed talking with you. I would love to work with you on anything else you ever want to work on. And if you need anything from me, reach out to me. Is there any like last word or any, any final bit of advice you'd like to share with my audience? Yeah. Don't run from pain. I know it sucks. I know you're only here. I, I know you're only here because, because it hurts. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that it hurts. But if you run from the pain, you can diminish the pain for a little bit. You can numb it out, but it's going to come right back. And it's better to learn to become friends with your emotions and to grieve. Um, And if you can learn how to do that, you're going to grow as a person in ways that you can't even imagine right now. So true. And so profound. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Thank you. I really appreciate you so much. I will tag you when i release the videos i'm sure i'm going to do more very cool here, so. very cool right. are, are awesome. you you're putting it on your youtube channel are you? yes okay yes. let me know and then i'll bang it out to people on uh, on my emails and on the spot life coach group and they'll thank go you. and check it out i appreciate that very much all right thank, thank you so much this has been wonderful talk right. soon thank you all right Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Richard was so much fun during these interviews. I, during this interview, I had a blast with him. I love him. He's a great guy. So make sure if you haven't yet that you hit up his channel and subscribe. All right. That's all I've got for you right now. As always, thank you so much for being a part of my day and a part of my life. And hey, thanks for letting me be a part of yours. It really does mean a lot to me. I'll see you soon. It's my mission to teach others what I know to be true. You really can create the life you want. Take care of your body. Take care of your soul. Nurture the real you and introduce him or her to the world. Be comfortable in your own skin and in your place in this world. Take your spot. Take it now. And the universe will take its cue from you. You feel me? If so, subscribe to my channel. Let's get it done together.